surfing our way through the atmospheric river, you found it. The Japan Web Podcast, blowing hot air to the back end of Tokyo. I'm your co-host, Matt Bigelow. And I'm Mike Rogers. Good morning, Matt Bigelow. Thank you, Mike it's Rogers. Okay. <laughs> Again, I'm calling it's myself okay. a co-host when I, I am, in fact, the host. The de facto You are the host. host. Uh, I've been saying co-host for so long, I forget how it goes because my brain just farts. Oh, wait a minute. On the, the former show with Tom, and Tom's a nice guy. We don't want to say anything bad about him. He left, and you guys were co-hosts? I thought you were the host. Yeah, I was being generous. I thought I would be generous and, and be co, like cooperative, like collaborative. We're going to co. You- we're going to co this thing. <laughs> You've been in Japan too long. Yeah, I think how long so. Have you, wait a minute. How long have you been in Japan, Matt? 14 years. Almost. Yes. We're coming up 14 on a, years. So, quite the anniversary. I'm almost to 38 years. And oh, wait, that brings me to something like you. No, and I'm not bragging. Um, There's no such thing as bragging Matt. anymore. Nobody knows okay, what's well, going on. Social media is everywhere. It's supposed to be authentic. It's all advertising, unless you fake it as a non-advertisement, as an advertisement. But if you try to do something authentic, that's considered to be spam nowadays. So go ahead, Mike. Okay. Well, but wait, before we start, should we uh, announce our shows? Uh, we'll, 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 uh, oh, we'll do that later. Yeah, we'll do okay. that going into the interview. I, I, got a, I got a good example, Matt. I've been really pissed off. For the last three days. I can hear and, it in your voice. So I, Yeah, okay. I should try to calm down. Oh, but no, no, really, no. We need more downward growly yeah. intonation in the world. <clears throat> anyway, this is such a big difference between Americans and maybe Westerners in general and Japanese. And this is such a good example. I do a radio show for someone and um, these guys are basically okay. Well, we we're gonna do, we're supposed to do this later, but since it's part of the context, you can you can talk about. Oh, okay. Can, yeah. So, so, um, these guys uh, in the West will write emails to me like, um, the other okay, wait, the other day, a show that I made was posted on Spotify or I don't know where it was posted, and after it was posted, some online real, oligopoly. Yeah, I don't know. And um, they got really pissed off at me and wrote me a fuming letter. We should cut your pay. You're totally amateur. Beef, professional. Fuck you. Can I say that? Yes, it's a freedom of speech. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And I I read that and I was just shocked. Sounds like a real unprofessional email to receive from somebody you're involved in a financial agreement with. Yeah. So um, the problem is, is they uploaded this show to uh, Spotify. And in that show, there was a song that I'm not supposed to play, but I didn't know that because I was, you mean in this world where you're a DJ and you're creative and you're supposed to do whatever you want to make the brand better and be creative. You're, you're suddenly blocked from some rule that didn't exist ever before. That's right. And so (laughs) they told me you can play whatever you want. Cause I had asked them, you know, being lazy, being a DJ means being lazy. I asked them, can you guys make the playlist for me every week? And they said, no, you make the playlist and you can play whatever you want. Okay. I got it. I'm sorry. I have to do this extra work, but whatever. So I made the show, sent it to them for approval one month ago. And nobody said anything to me. Nobody said bonk. 
Yeah. Nobody said you can't play that song. Nobody said that. And then it got aired on FM radio in Japan. And the FM radio show people, station people said, this is a, this is a great show. I met them the day this email came to me and the email was really pissed off when you played the song, you're not supposed to play blah, 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 blah. And uh, like I said, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Was it the B side of a cream album? I don't know what it is. (laughs) It would, it will take too long to explain their screwed up system. Anyway. So a bootleg John Bonham solo. No, I don't know what it was. Actually. I don't really even know what, the problem still i don't know what the problem is well the and, problem is the invective in the email well that's true so this is a big difference between japanese and western way of doing business you know what? a lot I of people went, try to try to nail this down but they always try to do it in a theoretical concept like oh in the they bow but we shake hands but now we got an actual concrete example we can we can really stick a pin in that yeah well <laughs> So I, you know, I, I thought about it and I checked through my mail, which is not easy to do because like you, I get a hun- couple hundred a day and I found the email where I sent them that show like more than a month ago. And I'm supposed to send them every show so they can check it. Nobody said anything to me. Nobody said, you can't play this. You can't play that. So I said, I don't know. I'm, I do what I'm supposed to do. You guys don't check it. And then a month later, you upload it. And then you blame me. Are you kidding me? Are you blaming me? And then, so when I guess they had an internal search because I wrote to the Japanese boss, who's a nice guy, and, and told him, this is not my fault. I, I won't accept it. I can't understand why they think it's my fault. And I sent him the emails. So I guess he went and talked to them and said, he did what he was supposed to do. He sent you the show. You guys didn't check it. And then you uploaded it to Spotify without even telling me. Not that I would care. But um, then when I talked to the American boss the next day, the next uh, two days later, the first thing out of his mouth was, yeah, you know, I hope we're not having a family fight still. And I'm sitting there thinking, why don't you just say I'm sorry? Well, that's because there's a rug that needs something to be swept under it. Yeah, so <laughs> I guess maybe at this place, the top bosses found out about this. And um, um, I, I guess the underlings are trying to hide what's going on. He never said sorry. Like, hey, I'm sorry for yelling at you and swearing at you and blah, blah, blah. And I hope. You know, I, not even I hope let's not have a fight. Let's just forget about it. And I said, I sent you guys that show a month ago. And none of you said anything. He's like, that's past. That's past. And why, why, why is this, why is everything be de- being decided in a one way process? Like one way it's all your fault, no follow up. And then next day it's all okay. According to us. Yeah. And Big difference, for example, in a Jap American person and a Japanese person. Yes, this is the a point Jap- we're trying to hammer down here. Yeah, yeah. So the Japanese people will, even if it's not their fault, the first thing out of their mouth is "I'm sorry." Yes, Canadians are similar in that way. Oh, are they? Yes, Canadians so- are very apologetic. Not so much anymore. 
now now they just accuse everybody of being racist. But in oh. my day, we we would apologize like a like a proper Canadian. So a, a Japanese would say, you know, I'm very sorry, and that might mean. I'm sorry for this mistake, or I'm sorry you guys are so screwed up. But yes. <laughs> which I I had already apologized to them. Well, there's that saying. Just, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah, uh, oh, I should have thought of that. But um, I can about fifteen twenty years ago, there was a station called Zipang in Japan, and they had their opening. They had test broadcasting season for probably two months. I don't remember. And I would go to the studio every Tuesday and Thursday, record my show with, with the staff. And then one day they just kind of decided, uh, we're going to start real broadcasting on Saturday. And we're kind of thinking about it, but we haven't decided, Mike, can you do it? And I said, yeah, I can do it. Then after that, I never heard anything. That Thursday, I... I go to the studio and record my show and everything, and nobody says anything. See you again Saturday. Everybody's like, see you next week. Okay, I guess so. And um, that Saturday, I get a panicked phone call from the boss. Where are you now? You're supposed to be here. And I, I, I didn't say anything. You know, I, I rushed down there and I said, to, his name was Tata. And I said to him, Mr. Tata, I'm really sorry. I'm very sorry for, for this. I also found out two other Japanese didn't show up. I'm very sorry for this. It's all my fault. You know, please forgive me. And you know what he said to me? I can't believe it. An American guy comes in and the first thing out of his mouth is, I'm sorry. He said, okay, yeah, I, I forgive you. It's Everything's fine. Huh. So. And that's just the difference. My Americans won't, won't say sorry when it's their fault. But Japanese will say sorry, even if it's not their fault. Uh, Just sorry for this situation. So what's the takeaway here? What's the takeaway, well, the, bro? The takeaway, Americans and, and Westerners need to lower their heads and say sorry. I mean, aren't you sorry? You, you're not sorry that this, this happened? I'm sorry this happened. I have no yeah, part of it. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> no even part. involved. I'm sorry for some reason. And. It's just. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, you just, you just say sorry. I'm very sorry. I, I apologize. Just, it's just being humble. And my wife said to me, "Oh, you're really being an, an adult now. You said sorry." Oh. So, so the wife will respect you. Yeah, that's a very. It's a very strange thing. Um, uh, <laughs> the American. The American swear words. <laughs> that's that's terrible, Mike. Anyways, I can tell you a whole bunch more, but we got lots of exciting things to yeah, talk about on this show. All right, all right. Um, I have this, this. Sometimes I have a segment that I like to call Weird Corner. Okay. Weird Corner. That's so, your voice. Yes, it's all my voice. <laughs> Sometimes I'll use an accent. Um, <laughs> I was walking past a park, and I don't know if you do this, so I'll, 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 I'll reserve judgment for the time being. Okay. But smartphone parents. 
You you see oh. like women walking down the street with a baby in a carriage, and they're just looking at their smartphone as they're walking down the street. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's always been a bit bit of a weird thing for me. Uh, but the other day, I was walking past a park, and I saw a father pushing his son on a swing. The father mm-hmm. was looking at his phone, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, this guy's kind of disengaging himself from the role of being a father. And I looked at the child, who was about three years old. The child was also looking at a phone. <laughs> it was... It was a weird quarter. It was it was very Rewa twenty twenty. I, I feel so sorry for families like that. Um, like I just said about being pissed off for three days. I had my phone shut off for three days. I don't want to talk to anybody. But yeah, I see that all the time. Yeah, um, I'm trying to have a family then, right now, and I see that going on. I'm like, I won't. I'm, I can't. I couldn't imagine being that dude. You have yeah, this well, wonderful chance to have your son with yourself. In a park, and you're pushing yeah. them on a swing, and you're both engaging in wireless algorithms from some social media platform. He's he's probably looking at P- Pornhub or something. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. it's like um, it used to be this way when cameras first came out, and I'm I'm talking about like a hundred years ago, or I don't know, yeah, a hundred years ago. People would go to events, a wedding, some kind of party. And they would be there and they would enjoy it. And nobody was like taking photos except maybe at the end or something. Well, there'd be like a person taking photos and he would go and engage with the technology in that very limited framework and then leave that, that, that association with, with the technology and go back to being a human again. Yeah. And now people, like I said, I see that all the time. I was riding the train the other day and I looked across the, the way and everybody to my right left, everybody was looking at their smartphone. I was at a baseball game last year before we were prohibited from gathering in numbers and enjoying our lives. Uh, and I looked down because I was up in the bleachers because I like to sit up high because you can see like the pop yeah. flies and everything. And I noticed that my eyes were filled with sparkles and it was the reflection of thousands of people's of smartphones that were because the sun was setting reflecting off of the setting sun it, it was like it was a it was a sea of sparkles because everybody yeah. was at the baseball game with their phone in front of them and the reflective surface of the phone turned this whole stadium into a sea of sparkles it's i think this is a very bad pointer to the way our society is going and i, I think um people are missing out on life and not enjoying life, especially like the guy with his the kid on the swing. How how many years is he going to be pushing his kid on the swing? I think he's been there for the past six years. <laughs> They're just updating their Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> They're still there. But it's to too this day. bad. It's it's too bad. You know, everyone's taking selfies or looking at Twitter when they should be enjoying life. I know. There's the whole screen of life in front of you. Uh, it's, it's a bizarre, it's a weird corner and it still freaks me out to this day. Oh, and on top of that, um, these days I like, I like Twitter a lot cause I found some people that I follow and I can learn and then link to articles and things like that. But sometimes they post videos of the insanity of what's going on in the world. 
And when I'm watching on my phone, somebody recording an event on their phone, I feel like I'm looking through a portal into reality. But then sometimes you, the, the portal that the reality is looking in upon is filled with people also filming the same reality with their phones. And I feel like when I'm engaging in that type of thing and I see other people filming the same thing with their phones, it feels like my wife just caught me looking at porn. (laughs) <laughs> do, do you know i i think it's a city it's in kawasaki or maybe it's in kobe one of these k countries or cities and they have forbidden people to be walking and using their smartphone did you hear about that oh man if i was in power i would i would give bounties to police officers i would give quotas i'd be like you have to every police officer needs to find a thousand motherfuckers a month walking with their phone and find them a hundred thousand each Oh yeah, think about the tax bounty. Yeah, so um, and then you can put them all I in prison Kawa- and shoot them. I think it's Kawasaki, <laughs> but you you are not allowed to walk and ride your bike and look at your smartphone. Uh, I guess they have no penalty if they catch you. And, yeah, but, but at least could, it's which a- way you can you can tell which way it's going. It, it's going to head for a bounty. Yeah. Penalty. Oh yeah, it's the new speeding ticket. Like those um, counties in the states that live on the side of highways, they reduce the speed limit to like sixty miles an hour from hundred miles an hour, and just put a bunch of cops with radar guns and just collect a whole bunch of money from from speeders. And they go, "Well, you might think that you're you're being targeted for your money, but actually, we're just trying to protect our community." It's gonna be one of those. Yeah, things. protect protect our community. I hate the yeah. word community. I hate the word community. And everybody a, says it like this, uh, our community, they always put the community. That's when you know you're dealing with a fraud is when somebody says our community. I, I think, um, and I don't know if I should say this, but I don't believe in terms like society and community. And what I mean is they exist as terms, but there's no such thing as community and there's no such thing as society. All there is is groups of individuals. I agree. And I actually want to talk about that on the other side of this interview. I'll tease the idea right now. Mm. Is there, is a recovery for the Gaijin quote unquote community music scene possible? That's the teaser. Now we got to go to an interview. Let's go. We're going to go to Delania Miyazaki, a fabulous, wonderful talent from Hokkaido and I think Florida. Let's Go. Here we go. Joining us now is the host of the Anything Goes Hokkaido Video Podcast, uh, as well as an accomplished musician and actor in Japan in Sapporo, Hokkaido, I believe. She has been heard and seen on NHK World Japan, HBC Radio, New Chitose Airport, TV Tokyo, and Hokkaido's exclusive brand of self-identifying convenience stores, Seiko Mart. Delana Miyazaki, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. All right. So as the host of the, oh, I've been on the show of, of the Anything Goes yeah. Hokkaido video podcast. Uh, how's it going with these days in the, in the COVID situation up north? 
Uh, we're actually doing quite well, I think. We were down to zero cases a number of days here in Hokkaido for the last two weeks. And uh, when I looked at the purported cases, there was maybe two or three per day on high days in Sapporo. So, uh, for example, my kids went back to school for the first time since February. Uh, not so that you got them out of the house. Sooner, was that the best thing yeah. about it? <laughs> well, uh I'm working out of the house most of the time, and my husband is the stay-at-home uh, parent slash artist working from home. So it didn't change right, my life so, a whole lot. <laughs> so Hokkaido had had like zero, two new cases. All right, Tokyo, we had 1,000. <laughs> yeah, Tokyo. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, not really a laughing matter, but we're, I think we're doing okay up here. So Well, I've been using this website from the Toyo Keizai and I use this because it has a uh, wealth of data that not only shows us the, the amount of people that tested positive. So I think yesterday we had 293 cases, but the number of PCR testing these days in Tokyo area is like 4,000 or 5,000 every day. And the deaths, okay. like since May, the amount of COVID deaths we, we had has been like two, four, it's been like 12 over the past three months. So the testing has gone up. The confirmed cases are up, but the deaths do not follow that trend. And from the amount of deaths, most of them are people over the age of 80, 550 cases of death. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, 70s, 270 cases, 60s, 100 cases, Mike, 50s, 33 cases, and then from 40s down to zero, there's very few cases of deaths regarding the COVID crisis. So, yeah, the cases are up, but we can also say that the amount of people being, you know, seriously, you know, dying or being very negatively effective or yeah, seriously, yeah, seriously is going down, 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 <laughs> but the cases are still up. A lot of the people are asymptomatic and for some mm -hmm. reason, the Tokyo government's been deciding to test a lot of people working in like the uh, host club and hostess club industry. And those people mm -hmm. drink champagne out of shoes from time to time. <laughs> so I'm not surprised that they're a bunch of dirty weirdos. Interesting. Uh, my co-host for the Anything Goes Hokkaido podcast, uh, Shinya, used to be a host in Suskino, which is um, one of the largest entertainment districts in Japan, not just Hokkaido. It was said when I got here many, many years ago, that you could go to a different bar every single night and it would take you 40 years to get to the mall in that one little district. But um, I'm going to have to ask him if he's ever drunk champagne out of a shoe. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yes, he seems like he might have. I've talked to him before. But Matt Matt was referring to hostesses, not hosts. Hosts, they're, they're okay, right? No, hosts <laughs> actually drink champagne out of shoes at a ratio of 10 to 1 compared to hostesses. Because hostesses are sure supposed to have, have mm. some sort of standard, but hosts are just really a bunch of dirty, uh, dirty foxes. That sounds about right. <laughs> uh, I so, almost, almost worked as a hostess once. I was performing music in this uh, club called the Blue Chateau. Uh, the guy kind of threw his card into my guitar case when I was busking outside in a place called Tanuki Koji in Skino. And uh, I played country music. It's not actually my forte, but I was working at a country pub in Skino for a few years playing fiddle and singing. And uh, he's like, okay, well, you play country music there, play country music in my bar. And then my husband was my boyfriend slash fiance at the time. He found out and he's like, 
you gotta stop working there. That is like so yakuza. <laughs> Run like get out, get out, get out. How many times did hey, you? Wait, sing? No, wait a minute, wait a minute, yeah, wait a minute. Like, she said fiddle. Now that that is a country music giveaway. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> okay. from Indiana, so you know. You're from where? Indiana. Indiana. Yeah, oh, I've been there before. Well, Indiana, Florida girl here. But oh. uh, yeah, it's interesting. I never did country music or gospel music until I came to Japan. I thought that was kind of a interesting way that things turned out. And uh, wow, you have I, a do you have a your own um, record or CD released or anything like so that? So when I first came here, I had spent maybe two and a half days in a person's house in California, like a couple of lovely hippie people that took me in as a homestay kind of situation while I studied to be a teacher and I got ready to do a music tour with them in Japan and they had recording equipment in the guest room where I was staying so I stayed oh. up all night for a couple of days recorded 21 songs mm-hmm. and released that on two CDs that I sold here for a number of years but then it was pretty cool to have your own CDs but there was no mastering no post-production oh. I just read the mm. manual as I went with it it was just me and a guitar and an egg shaker and I played the fiddle on one song uh, their adult daughter got kind of mad at me for doing that at two in the morning. So, <laughs> oh. um, yeah, I sold those for a number of years, but now that technology and equipment is so accessible, if you've got a little time and a little money, you can make some really kick-ass music. That's right. And mm. uh, the thing I don't have is time and money, <laughs> oh. but I have a home studio. So I've been working on uh, releasing new music for years and uh 90% finished on a lot of tracks and uh I do have one new track that I'm getting ready to release that I did with a new producer. Is that the one that you uh, sent me? Yes, uh it's, it's called a, It's Fade a great Away. little pop track. Well, yeah, it's called what? Fade Away. Fade Away. Yes, and I'm really excited to release it. I want to do a promotion video uh simultaneous release. But I've come up across a few snags. In yeah, that was going to be my ready, next so. question for uh, this whole thing. Mike? <laughs> it's, it's too bad you're not in Tokyo because I've made hundreds of videos for indies rock bands for nothing. Free. Yeah. And the reason Ooh, why I do bad. that. Some of them I have 300,000 views on YouTube, by the way. One of them Ooh. just passed 400,000. That's really good. <laughs> and because um, I'm a disc jockey, actually. So, oh, nice. Mike's I, a legend. In my dreams. I play indies bands i played indies bands on japanese fm radio for like 33 years and it's like like, um kind of my calling in life so now i'm doing it overseas i mean in japan too but overseas and trying to promote indies japanese bands so and i don't i don't care if they're what's called gaijin bands or japanese bands so yeah i actually uh before, when we talked about doing the podcast with Matt for us, um, he sent me some links to videos you'd done for some Japanese indies bands. So I saw some of your work and was impressed. Yeah, they were all made for nothing. Hey, that's uh, and exactly I don't, what I a don't musician drink, wants to hear. <laughs> I don't drink beer. So when I go to the bars, they say, you want a beer? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. I'll just have water. Water, Water's fine. All right. So, yeah, so that's, that's well, maybe we can work out something someday. Delana, I really wish. So you're trying to get this project going, and that yes. was going to be the next thing. Uh, as as this COVID thing is wrapping up, I don't know the cases going up, but mm. deaths are going down. What have been uh, some of the challenges you've faced in uh, trying to get the ball rolling here? Well, not being able to actually like go out 
places and film easily, um, meeting with people. I really need someone for my uh, concept on this video to be the acting opposite of me. And I thought I found somebody, but there were some complications in uh, us actually getting together. So I, I need someone who's taller than me and I'm 177 centimeters tall. That's pretty so tall. Fi almost 5'10", um, if you're using the US system. And uh, there are not many guys here that are a lot taller than me. And uh, I want somebody who's a bit darker skin. So it's really clear in the video when it cuts from present day me singing alone to the flashback of the past romance that it's, you know, two different people. Do you have a chroma key? Chroma key? Mm, I don't you think know, so. One of those green backgrounds, the TV stations. Use. Green screen. Uh, green I screen. do not. Oh, okay. So I'm actually they're, they're cheap. They're cheap. Probably, they yeah, they're probably uh, 15,000 yen or something like that for a cheap one. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've seen If them you have that, then you can do whatever you want. Yes, I've been considering that option. I really want to go to um, some popular Hokkaido locations like Lake Shikotsu. Oh, okay. And film Have you considered because... using deep fakes? Deep fakes. I've heard that before, but what exactly? Deep fakes is an AI program that will make somebody do something but it's not them doing that ah that kind of deep fake yeah yes. no i had not considered that you could get a chroma key and put in your hokkaido locations behind you and then hire true. an engineer to do some deep fakery and then mm. you don't have to worry about real people getting in the way of your dreams actually Look. i spent weeks talking with all these different camera crews some of them I professional ones I work with for airports for the video videos for the airport or TV commercials um, to actually hire like camera guys and um, some more independent foreign people, uh, filmography people. And uh, my husband and I discussed it and decided we would try the DIY approach first. Yes, so we have I ordered would. a nice little drone um, that we're going to try to get some of this footage with. Our drone so, law is pretty. Can you fly drones there? You can, uh, the one that we got is really small. So it's just, as we say, giddy giddy, like it's just underneath the codes for places oh. where you can't fly some, some of the larger drones. Um, mm. But there is an app called Drone Navi in mm. Japanese, I believe. And you can check that to see where it's legal to fly. I've seen that. I've seen that. You take, Matt, you take your iPhone and you throw it in the air and the, the app takes, takes a video and then you got to try to catch it when it comes back. <laughs> that's pretty advanced technology i should try that sometime <laughs> sounds very cool <laughs> we'll stabilize it looking in post. At that app. there's a lot of area even close to my home because we live on the outskirts of sapporo where it's actually uh safe to fly oh. drones and take footage yeah. uh, within city limits is pretty much a no-no anywhere near the airports of course is uh, a no-go zone and you do have to be careful with like public transportation, JR and such. They're quite picky no. about those things, even though the lines might not be marked clearly on the map, I guess. Um, but yeah, as long as you get permission, if you're using somebody's property um, and you look at the map, a lot of the coastline is perfectly okay. Yeah. So um, I've got some. Go in um, Kanto area, it's basically forbidden it, it, <laughs> unless you're, you are someone's private property. So there's a lot of beachfront area. Yeah. But um, I have a friend who's a instructor of drones. Mm -hmm. He's been an instructor for I don't know how many years, and he told me you can't you can't use it. I'm going to buy one for your son. What you just told me you can't use it. So what's the point? 
He can fly it in the living room. Oh, yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's what you want. Yes. But 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 Miyazaki-san, I agree mm-hmm. that you guys should do it DIY because you you if you look hard enough, you will be able to find someone who can do it and um make a video and the maybe the conceptually you can't spend so much money. So the best thing to do is to get a live house and perform there and have the guy shoot rehearsal. Maybe if they get, if you can get three people, three cameras at rehearsal, shoot the song three times and then do it live. And then mm. paste it together. And mm-hmm. that will cost basically nothing in your shooting will be done in like 40 minutes. Yeah, that would be a great idea for a song that, that I do perform live. This uh, new one was done with a producer called David Sweetlow, and it's I know him. A, do you know him? Yeah, he's a kind of a ballad artist. Yeah, he does a lot yeah. of. Um, I, I've heard people call it as like Celtic folk music, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's got a, a unique sound, and this new track um, sounds a bit like Christopher Cross <laughs> in some ways. Oh. It's a really um, interesting got... produced uh, song. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah. it's ballad, but it's also punchy. It's not sappy. Mm. Yeah, it's like a punchy yeah, ballad. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we kind of drew some inspiration from a Billie Eilish track when we discussed how we wanted to approach it, and uh, not quite as minimalistic in the way that that particular song went, but. Yeah, his vocal harmonies and guitar. And I showed up the first day in the studio expecting to start from zero and like sitting at the keyboard and recording the piano part that I had written. And he already had 62 tracks down. (laughs) And it was basically like completely mapped out. All I did was uh, layer some vocals on it. And uh, it's kind of proven my point that a lot of musicians are borderline OCD. Because you don't do that unless, like, you're like seriously really into it. But even if you're but, but even if you're professionally paid, you're going to be like, "Here's three, I guess." I have sixty-one tracks. It's like, ah, you know, this guy's really into it. But he, he might yeah. be he might be thinking to get a record label deal because if you get signed to a record label, they view you as a product, and they're not thinking one record. Mm-hmm. They want they want two or three or maybe four records. So if you don't have 61 tracks, mm. I won't consider you. I, and I know this for a fact. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of these kind of people. But, I don't um, think David or I either are necessarily interested in signing record label deals. Mm. I value my independence a lot. So, Oh, yeah. Just, trust me. <laughs> we were just talking about that. You do not want to work with these people. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were just talking about that. Well, you want to work with them, but it depends on under which under which type of contract. Circumstances. Circumstances. Yeah. Exactamundo. Yes, yes. Ah. It kind of just reminds me like triggers about like I will probably never do reality TV again. Certainly not in Japan. So oh, you uh, did yeah. a reality TV show? I did too. I was no, well, on Oksamawa Gaikokujin. Oh wow. Uh, many years ago. That's like Oksamawa Majo. Yeah, yeah, that was like oh, the oh, nickname that's... because they used the the music from Bewitched oh. in the opening <laughs> theme title, <laughs> and uh, we were featured. Uh, that's a really funny. Long part of that. And then exactly a year later, to date, a uh, different show we aired on called Imada Housing, which was like a remodeling show, but they had done like celebrities, and they apparently spent 
way, way over budget on a Hawaii episode and decided after that that they would try to move to like just normal people. And we were the test for that. (laughs) They came to the hospital the day after my son was born to try and film me. And they have like 30 seconds of me giving birth that my husband gave them. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, so uh, that's that that was NHK World, too. No, no, that's uh, TV Tokyo and another Tokyo based. Oh. Uh, station. So they're not so fucking around when they say reality TV. Yeah, but it's nothing else about it's real. It's like everything so contrived. And yeah, we were talking about that earlier. It's weird how every everything that's trying to like, we have we can't advertise because that's fake. So everything has to be a real life advertisement. It's a really strange mm-hmm. conundrum. Uh, authenticity is in itself um, banned. Yeah. I, oh, I just was talking with someone uh, about this last night, that authenticity in Japan is just rare. Uh, well, that's why I have a space elevator behind me in this Zoom call, because I'm authentic. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I, I tried to do some of those backgrounds, and uh, my computer's too old for it. Too old at all. All right, Delania, anything else you want to mention? Delana. Bef- uh, I'm sorry, Delana. My God, I'm, I'm really... You are re- not my junior high school English teacher. Get <laughs> it right. <laughs> Delana, Miyazaki. Anything else you want to mention about what you're doing uh, before we move on? Yeah, just um, with the podcast, we started that in April. And uh, because all of my work with music, I had a my first music tour for Tokyo, Yokohama, five show tour cancels uh, back in March. I was oh. an early adopter of canceling stuff um, right on the borderline of, can I go? Can I not? Yeah. And it was the right choice, but uh, yeah, like all of my paid work with performing and uh, being on TV with the tourism industry here, I'm also a narrator. So I'm kind of dubbed the voice of Sapporo. If you're writing JR trains or, Almost I, all of the bus lines. That's me on I get a lot the of, English announcements. I get a lot of um, requests from sponsors, to, sometimes for a female narrator. Well, so I could uh, be your girl. I've got a home yeah, studio. And I, I've recorded like for uh, North Wave, which is probably our largest radio station. Yeah, FM North Wave, I know. Yeah. So if you're, this is North Wave Music Airlines. Our travel from New Chitose Airport will be approximately 30 minutes. Okay. So no, you can hear I, me all over the place. Maybe yeah. I can get you a job because the people I know are half Japanese or Japanese. So they have something mm. a little bit strange about the okay. way they say something. Mm, yeah. It's hard it. to put your finger on it, but it's a little bit weird. Yeah. So and, I'm the uh, voice of Sapporo. More than half of the public trans- transportation in Sapporo and over Hokkaido is my voice for the English. Wow. Yeah. Including like the Shinkansen bullet trains. And so we can get discount tickets from you from for the Shinkansen? I don't think so because oh. I can't. Yes. We will accept <laughs> these tickets by mail. <laughs> that would be nice. I wish I could. Although I heard they're offering discount tickets. for Yes, the under the horrible guise of the go-to travel oh, campaign, which is the worst. Oh, that's a it's like a, It's like an order. Hey, you, go to travel. Blech. Yeah, please come up here and bring your, your viruses. Yes, you. I will spread the COVID. So, I will be that but, guy. Uh, um, no, no don't, 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 don't. I just, um, but the podcast for me was kind of a, a vision of something to do during the COVID crisis yeah, very good. Uh, it was a good very time good. to start it but mm. everybody knows hokkaido has like the best nature and the best food no joke but oh, yeah. the people 
especially like the foreign community people trying to build lives here. Um, and also I hope to move to um, local Japanese artists and things in the future, but right now we're just English based. Uh, so if they speak English, it's perfectly fine. Any nationality is great, but anything goes, that's our motto. And uh, yeah, I really want to just showcase the community here in Japan. That's why we had Matt on as well as a fellow podcaster. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's from artists to business people to just anything and everything. Um, unfortunately, we did film an episode at uh, TK36 earlier this week, which is a very popular bar with the foreign community, uh, which is closing due to COVID-19 at the end of the month. But my camera had a major malfunction. And uh, both the interview and my co-host Shin oh. eating a 30-minute Monster Burger challenge, which cost him 5,000 yen in the end <laughs> because he could not finish this massive hamburger. It was like eight hamburgers and then chips worth. Um, that video just was gone. Poof. So Can I, do I have a minute for a, a short story about when I went to Sapporo? I mean, I've been to Sapporo. Absolutely, please. Times. So Yes. I, I think I was working... Actually, I was working for TV Tokyo at that time. And I went to Sapporo for like two or three days. I don't remember. And I'd always heard that Sapporo ramen was really good. And I heard that there was a place called uh, Sapporo, Sapporo Ichi, Ichido. No, no, no. Sapporo, What's it called? Sapporo, Sapporo, no, no. There's a place Sapporo, in Sapporo. There's a place in Sapporo where oh, there's a whole bunch of ramen places. And it's right mm -hmm. by the station. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I've been uh, there. Probably, probably ramen worlds. Sup um, well, I, yeah, the Japanese name. I don't remember. Who what the cares? Japanese name. But anyway, <laughs> so I, I, I go up there and I'm looking for this place and I go to the police. There's a police box right next to it. And I said to the policeman, hey, you know, where is um, this Sapporo ramen ich ichiya or ichido? I don't remember. And then he goes right here, right here. I walk into the place and there's all these different ramen places. And then he's like, you know, the Asahi ramen, whatever. And, and mm -hmm. I walked in and looked at them all and I, I said, there's no place named ramen, whatever it was supposed to be. I walked back out and I said to the gate guy, I'm sorry, where is the place again? He told me it's there. So I gave up on that because it wasn't there. And I walked around town and I walked around for a long time and I got really hungry. And then <laughs> I thought, okay, there's a ramen shop that's people are lined up to get in. And, um, uh, I wa I stood in line. I got in. I had my ramen. And I'm looking at the the what do you call it? Hush, hush, uh, chopsticks, and mm -hmm. uh, it there's a kanji on there, three kanji. And I'm looking at it, thinking like, what does that say? What does that say? Well, it was like you need the ramen. I'm like, oh, uh, finish the ramen. Oh, it says Fukuoka. Oh, <laughs> Fukuoka ramen. I went down to, I went down to Hokkaido to eat Fukuoka ramen. It was delicious. Well, yeah, there you have it. We've got everything <laughs> when it comes to ramen here. I went to um, Sapporo once and I tried to find ramen. I couldn't even find ramen because I was such a newbie in Japan at the time. And I ended up having soup curry instead. Well, that's mm. not a bad choice. I hate curry. <laughs> Mm, All right. I mean, I like curry. Indian right. curry. I like Indian curry. All right, Delana, thank you very much for Delana. being on the show. Thanks so Where much for having me. Where can people find you? 
Uh, you can find our podcast at Anything Goes Hokkaido, spelled just as you would expect. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and Anything Goes Hokkaido at gmail.com for direct inquiries. I'm Delana Miyazaki. That's D E L A I N A. And Miyazaki is just like、uh, the Ghibli Studio Miyazaki. So there's only one of me in the world, I'm pretty sure, with that unique name. Yeah. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook as well. Delena Miyazaki, thank you very much for being on the Japan Web podcast. You've been a pleasure and、uh, come back anytime. Thank you so much for having me, and I look forward to seeing what you guys get up to. All right. The voice of Sapporo, Delena Miyazaki. Was Delana Miyazaki joining us on the podcast? Hey, Mike. Yeah. We got to go back to what I was teasing earlier. And this goes、What's、back、that? to the community. community. Do you think, because you've been in this radio business making music, streaming music,、uh, broadcasting music, do, 
do you think that it's gonna that live shows on a local level are gonna come back anytime soon? No. Do you think it's done? Do you think people have well, moved no, on? Not. People are in their like their their algorithmic bubble these days, or like the the, uh, the 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 family on the smartphones I was mentioning earlier. Um, that's tough to say, but um, they'll always be. Japanese musicians, there'll always be foreign musicians. There'll always be a desire to play. Now, most of the clubs that are open now, I think that maybe they maybe they stayed open because of hot money. And you know what I mean by that, right? The government lowering interest rates so money so low, people have to spend their money somewhere. And people have to have something that they can lose money on for tax purposes. Especially rich people. <clears throat> and um uh so but you know they can't keep losing money for a long time so i know a lot of clubs have told me these are clubs that hold like 280 300 people that they're still open but they can only allow 40 people into their club and um i i don't see um i mean for the musician playing in front of 40 people is better than playing in front of no people but um, for these so-called, and I hate this term, gaijin clubs, I think a lot of them are going to go bankrupt. Because just dealing with the foreign community is such a small, what is it, 3% of the population? Less than that. And and most of so, that's um, natural, like uh, Zainichi Koreans. Right, 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 right. So, and Chinese. And yeah. they don't play music. It doesn't seem so. <laughs> let's be honest i've seen a lot more chinese restaurants than chinese musicians in tokyo yeah so th- these people are working all the time and you know maybe they do play the guitar but they play it at home for friends and they have no desire to go out and work because working in a band is a hard job it's hard it's very hard dealing with other people is just very difficult and then going on a tour with a band is even more difficult, especially if you have to share a hotel room or whatever, and the other person snores like a horse. Like me. And everybody's getting older, too. That's another thing. Like the demographics, there's not a lot of um, children coming up into the pipeline. No. Now, another weird thing is that the Gaijin community, especially in the mm. music a lot of them are super hard left politically and they bring that to the stage or they bring that to their social That's media. Stupid. That is just stupid. And I would tell you this, and I've been doing radio for 35 years and I play music and I am not about to say something bad about Trump or Biden or whatever in public. Of course, I have my opinion about everyone and everything, but it's stupid to piss off potentially half your audience for your stupid political ideas, which may may be right or they may be wrong. I'm not sure, but I can't. I I don't have enough fans to like piss off half the people. So if you ever go to my Facebook or my Twitter, you'll never see a political post ever. Yeah. And usually people usually try to I turn my, poli- my, my, my posts into politics, but I'm always trying to look at 
media bias because because I'm a journalist in a way. I, I work at yeah. a newspaper now. Uh, people politicize things, but I'm not trying to politicize them. I'm trying to like look at some of the underlying reasons um, why corruption might exist. For example, like oh this this agency donated this money to this agency, like follow the money type of crap. But then people are I don't know. There's this real hard left mentality in the music and it does put me off a little bit because i'm like why why do we have to be political all the time aren't we supposed to just get together play music drink beer and have a good time yeah well let me give you an example um like my show's now on in 18 countries i'm on i'm about to be on four japanese fm stations and i go and look at uh, facebook these musicians will send me their music and the first thing i check is facebook and I go to Facebook, I, I listen to their song, it's okay, whatever. And then I go to Facebook and I see, the first thing I see is a photo of the president and his family or the ex-president and his family. And I just think, no, I'm not playing that. I, I cannot be held hostage to your political beliefs. So I'm not, I'm not going to play your music. It's just stupid to do, do that. And wise musicians know this. There's a video. All you have to do is go to YouTube and search. Um, what's her name? Uh, Dolly Parton in politics. And she's being interviewed by, I don't know who she's being interviewed by. Barbara Walters. Go, uh, somebody, I don't know. He's trying to goad her into saying bad things about the current president. <clears throat> and she said, I don't, I don't go there. I don't do that. I'm a professional singer. I have, I have, of course I have my opinions, but I keep them to myself. I'm not about to get half my audience pissed off at me for, for something that doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. What you think does not matter. And you're not going to change anybody's <laughs> mind on Facebook. No, it's, just, it's very it's true. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. And so I wonder if, uh, it, but, it, but the algorithm drives people who think the same way together, but it's a very narrow slice. So it's, it's easy to have like the, the echo chamber where everybody thinks that's what everybody wants to hear, but actually it's just, you're being algorithmically driven into a group where everybody wants to hear the same thing. And then you think that's what everybody wants to hear. I've had people, yeah. I've had a, a, a show, uh, a venue owner from uh, the Shibuya area, um, he tried to politicize something I was just curious about, and he told, like, he told me that conservatives that adopt Korean um, babies, those lives don't matter because they're conservative. He told me that on Facebook. Ah. what's up with that? That's weird. I don't know. So, Somebody, but I was bringing that guy money with the band I was in called the Dead Sea Dropouts. So I'm pro I'm mm -hmm. providing him money, but then he's like contacting me, telling about what kind of lives matter. It was just weird. Okay, well, that first off, um, it doesn't matter what the parents' political beliefs are. They have the wherewithal to adopt some kid who's probably going to be homeless or whatever and bring them up in a good household who cares what they think i know it's so irrelevant <laughs> you know they, like i said they have the wherewithal they have a house to pay, pay for a house and probably a car and everything else and to take care of the kid and love the kid that's it what End else? of story it's it was very so all of those things combined i, I wonder how many people are going to be remaining to revitalize <clears throat> the um, 
the going out live, especially compounding the fact that we've been told everything's dirty and we have to cover everything with plastic while having to pay for plastic. And we only can play 40 people to a 200 people venue uh, compound on to top of that, a political divide where with, with a lot of kind of very negative opinions about both sides. I'm like, man, I wonder if this everything thing's coming back, you know? I just wanted to go and drink beer and watch live music, but apparently I can't do that anymore. I I saw um what was the name? Do you know the song Story of My Life? Punk song. Um well, I should oh, say I do. Oh, oh, oh and I went to their live show and the, the lead singer started going off on Trump or whatever. And some guys in the crowd started flipping him off. And then there was a, a, a brawl, a yeah. total free-for-all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People were punching each other stuff. I thought, yeah, this is a lot of fun, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> so I left. I just like, God, I can't believe these people. <laughs> it's so strange. Anyways. I mean, I mean, okay, he's an idiot. He says that stuff. And then people in the crowd actually get mad what this fucking stupid punk rocker says. It's just like, wait, everyone knows, and I hate to say it, I'm sorry, Maddie, I know you're a musician, but generally speaking, musicians aren't, um, aren't rocket scientists. Let's, let me just say that they're, they're not. Yeah. We and, don't, we don't, we don't look to rocket scientists for music and we shouldn't look to musicians for rocket science. No. So unless you're Frank it's just, Zappa, it's just absurd. Yeah. But even, oh wait, okay. If you're going to use the term of Frank Zappa. Zappa never came out and said, um, like, uh, Hubert Humphrey was bad or Richard Nixon was bad. He said the system is bad. The system is bad. Yeah. And so did John Lennon. John Lennon never said vote for, uh, LBJ or vote for John Kennedy or what. He never said stuff like that. He just said the system's bad. We can have peace. We can stop these wars. And that's what musicians should talk about. Exactly. Talking. Talking about identity politics is just stupid. <laughs> All right. All right. We got to go because I got to get to work here. But um, okay. I, I published a blog uh, this week, and it's about um, Japanese facial recognition technology and how we should be using it, uh, providing our biometric data to Japanese companies as a type of war bond to prevent the spread of um, Chinese-backed technology into japan so by giving up our data as a war bond we can prevent the communist chinese party from influencing um our technological trends and you can check that out at matthewpmbigelow.com all right thanks and mike where can people find you before we uh, take off here just look for mike rogers show you can find me facebook twitter anywhere and i'm on i'm, not, I'm on so many radio stations i'm on Today's Sunday. I think I'm on nine or ten radio stations around the world <laughs> until nine or ten o'clock at night. I love it, Mike. I love They're it. All on the internet, you can pick them up. I love that you like you got like the FM people were like, "All right, Mike, maybe it's time," you know. And you're like, "Okay, I'll go." And then you come back and you just you're all over the FM radio again. You're like, "Ha ah, ah. ha!" Right. Yeah. Right. Anyways, so. Thank you very much okay. for listening to the Japan What Podcast. I am Matt Bigelow, blowing hot air to the back end of Tokyo. I'm Mike Rogers. Thanks for listening. Taste Dave.
Yo! <laughs>